Demons Discuss, Take 74, The One with the Remote Guest. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hello! 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 What are we talking about, Angela? We're talking about Book of Life, Chapter 6, and we have a little dinner shindig to go to at Satur. Ooh, classy. <laughs> Very classy. <laughs> We're dressing for dinner. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. Before we get into that, let's take a minute to thank our Patreon sponsors. Thank you. Thank you all. Yay. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us through all this craziness. I know. I know. Mm-mm. They are the ones keeping this podcast from being a self-funded vanity project. And that's true. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> and allowing us to be voices for all creatures out there, whatever age, nationality, race, or financial background they may be coming from. Oh, and also it means we don't have to, you know, have ads. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to listen to mattresses, nope. and toothbrushes, nope. and, and box dinners. Nope. And... You don't appreciate no ads until you hear someone who has a lot of ads. You're like, what? Oh, wait. Yeah, and they're bad. <laughs> I know. Bad. Yeah, and the copy they have to read, too. It's like they have that. to stick to talking points and it's yes. like, oh my God. So it saves us the embarrassment of botching up talking points because you know we would. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'd make them fun. Yeah. And we'd lose money on them. I know. Because they'd be like, no, no, you didn't do it right. We're pulling them. So Gene, persuade our gun-shy listeners to pull the trigger on Patreon. Hey, it, get, it gets us in your ears every week instead of every other week because at all levels you get our after show. And as you move up the levels, you get various levels of swag. Everything we've had, everything from uh, coasters and stickers and tote bags. Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> and every quarter we have Demon Roulette that everyone is entered into, and then you get the prize packages are just ridiculous. Right? I absolutely can't, ridiculous. I can't advertise that on Patreon. They get a little bit, you know. But I can advertise it here. Yes, all of you patrons will get access to that drawing. But if I advertise that on Patreon, they'd be like. Oh, no, no drawings or raffles. But we do one. And I know the prize that's coming up. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you sure do. It's a it good one. It was Gene's idea, but I still know what it is. <laughs> yeah, you do. What did I come up with this time? I hope somebody wrote me, that down. Me and my off-the-cuff ideas. It's like, oh, my memory is not as good as it used to be. So our next drawing will be in September, thereabouts, because we're usually late. But we get to it. We do. <laughs> so if you guys are interested, go to patreon.com slash demonsdiscuss and, you know, become a discusser also. That's another thing. But, oh, yeah. yeah, I was advertising Patreon. So, yeah, go to that address and I'll put it in the show notes. And $2 a month and you'll have the after show. You'll get to listen to us be crazy for a little bit. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Uh, all right. So let's get into our emails. Who wants to go? I will start. Okay. I have one from Suzanne. Hi, Suzanne. Hey, Suzanne. She says, sorry, been kind of incommunicado for a bit with life, but in the meantime, have read the book of life for the 10th or 15th time. So wow. that's good. Wow. <laughs> right? <laughs> She has a few topics, uh, and I'm just going to dive right in. She says, topic one, love this. Don't all men make a ton of assumptions? 
if it crosses their minds at all, that a woman will take care of the kids as well as work, take care of the house, provide the meals, etc. Yes. Ah, tell me about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she will be the one to have to take off from work when the little dears are sick or daycare is closed or there's remote learning. Sorry, editorial comments. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> at least that's been my experience. And my first husband was better about that sort of thing than most. Mm. Next topic. Until chapter maybe 36 of TOFL. TOFL. I think she means TBOL. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I have sincerely wanted to assassinate Baldwin slowly Ooh. and painfully Ooh. throughout the trilogy and consign his body to a cauldron of boiled bats. Wow. <laughs> Whatever. Wow. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to be the impartial narrator here. You're doing good. <laughs> yeah. Oh my eyes. All right. Go ahead. How Baldwin has followers, I just don't understand. Maybe some women who love bad boys and secretly are masochistic. How he is not breaking a boatload of vampire laws in Chapter 2 is beyond me. His Lord of the Manor screaming about being head of the family crap attitude is clearly, as Phoebe perceives, is because he feels inadequate. I am guessing, although somewhere, a discovery of witches maybe, it says that Baldwin was Philippe's favorite. That is not true. Matthew is clearly Philippe's favorite. Baldwin maybe had more in common with Philippe, but Matthew was one of was the one that Philippe loved more. Are we Thanks, reading the Suzanne. same book? Yeah, I don't think we're reading the same trilogy. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> I'll be open-minded. I will listen. Go ahead. Yes. It did say in Discovery Witches that he was Philippe's favorite. Yeah, and then it was an omniscient third-person narrative, yes. so it's yeah. not interpretive. It's a fact. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know. Sorry. I mean, I think every parent has their favorite kid, but if my favorite, I wouldn't send away in a boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just because I'm yeah. annoyed with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't get the get out of my face yeah. uh, and annoy someone else speech. My whole thing with Baldwin, it's like I can only relate to my experiences professionally. It's like when someone takes over for the old boss that's been established and mourned, you know, let's say the boss dies and everybody loved him and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Good boss. Good boss. Mm. Right. And you have to step into those shoes and you're new at this and you're going to fuck up. And the only thing you have to rely on on the new boss is what has worked for you in the past. And everything Baldwin does has worked for him in the past. He's still evolving, Mm -hmm. too. (laughs) Well, and let's not forget that old boss wanted him to act that way. Yeah. Yeah. That that was his his role with old boss because old boss needed those techniques to get certain results. Yes. And maybe they're not required in his new role as the head of the family. And I mean, he's still new at this at the point when the book was written. Yeah. So what was it? 60, 70 years. He's only for a vampire. That's very little time. Yeah. (laughs) And probably had not had any crisis serious crises since then. That there was no succession plan in place because nobody was ever planning on Philippe dying. Exactly. Right. I really think he wanted to be the head of the Knights of Lazarus. Yeah. I, I really. It, it's a comfort zone for him. And I mm-hmm. wouldn't have thought he wanted to be the head of the family, but he, here well, we are. <laughs> no, not, well, head of the family, no choice. I'm mm-hmm. sure he would have wished that Hugh was still alive to be the head of the family. Yeah. Yeah. For one thing. And and for another thing, being on the congregation and dealing with those crazy people and having to sit on your hands, I don't see that's his style. No. 
Yeah. And then you've got the brother who got sent off on a boat just acting the fool. Yeah. I'd be pissed right. too. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think too, Baldwin's book hasn't been written. We haven't read it yep. yet. No, we don't know his side of the story. I mean, Not we saw a little bit of it in the TV show and it's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh. I, I mean, and I will say I, I can see how some people feel that he's overbearing or a little bit heavy duty. I like the alpha male. I like his personality. I his arrogance. If some people perceive that, doesn't bother me. I it's no. the profession I'm in, so maybe that's why. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I guess I can I can see how people see that, but I don't perceive it that way. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I'm with you as far as the arrogance and whatnot, and certainly not because I'm masochistic. No, no, exactly. Um, I find that somebody who knows their own mind and owns their decisions and makes the hard decisions gives me a level of comfort as opposed to somebody who is indecisive. Reactionary. Uh, who is that, reactionary? Yeah, that, that mm-hmm. makes me shaky. Who is a hot mess, mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to use our term. Yeah. Like I said, it gives me a level of comfort. And the thing is, is you may think Baldwin is arrogant, but the simple fact of the matter is, is you have to earn his respect. He doesn't yeah. just dole it out. Yeah. Right. And he, he is a very hard taskmaster. He's also very hard on himself. He doesn't ask anything of anything anyone else that he doesn't ask of himself. I always think of the movie Too Big to Fail because my company was directly involved in that. And I think of the CEOs, even for the bad rap that Wall Street gets, mm-hmm. they made the hard decision. When I'm watching my company stock go down to $3 and then could have gone lower to be totally insolvent, those those CEOs made the hard decisions to merge and make mm-hmm. my company viable. Where I got to sleep at night, they got they had to make the hard decisions and have the sleepless night. And, I, and it's, it's such a small scale compared to what Baldwin, you know, mm-hmm. has to do. Yeah. But it's the same thing. And it, I'm sure those people come off as arrogant and mm-hmm. overconfident. Oh, yeah. That's who, and... mo- that's who Baldwin's modeled on. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. He does make the tough decisions when I get to sleep. Yeah. And the tough decisions that have far, far reaching implications. Yeah. yeah that affect a lot of people. And yeah. I, I mean, it's just like a surgeon. I think the you know, difference they have to make hard decisions. I think the difference from our perspectives is that we all are surrounded by people who have to make really life, death, financial ruin, whatever decisions, high level, high level decisions. And you have to take your emotions out of some of the decisions you make. Mm-hmm. All of us mm-hmm. do. It's yeah. like, yeah. oh, that's sad, but this needs to happen. Right. Sorry. Yeah. And. There's no time for reaction. There's no time. You have to be programmed to be able to just snap and do what you need to do. And when people don't comply, you do what you need to do to make them comply in order for the whole system to work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Baldwin himself will admit to not being, I mean, diplomacy is not his bag and communication with finesse is not his bag. No. It's clear. He's terrible at it. <laughs> He's terrible at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that doesn't make him a villain and doesn't make him a horrible person. Right. Or me masochistic. <laughs> or, or me or masochistic. You guys masochistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can attest to that. Uh, Suzanne, thank you so much. And it brought us all to a good conversation. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Mm, I seem to notice this pattern that people don't want to invite Baldwin for dinner, but if their ass is in a sling, they're calling him on speed dial. Yeah, probably. Okay. I was moving on. I have a speak, speak pipe from Nikki. Yay. Oh, nice. It's been a while. Yeah. Yes. Nikki E. Yay. I guess I should pull that up. Okay. Here we go. I guess you should. (laughs) Hey, Lady Demons. 
this is Nikki here outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I've been a follower for quite some time, but have never submitted any discussions. So I wanted to throw in my two cents on chapter six of the book of life. I personally love that Gallo Glass thinks that <laughs> formal wear is basically biker chic. Gotta, gotta love the fact that he can't even do up a button down because he splits it down the back. Maybe that's a commentary on too much arm day. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but also, I just I love that we get another sneak into uh, the dynamics between Matthew and Diana. I really appreciate that we get to see how they are when they have a disagreement. Um, and, you know, Matthew gets to be his self-deprecating self. Oh, hot mess, Matthew. But pretty much just saying that, uh, you know, love the podcast. As I said, I've been following for quite some time and you ladies are hilarious. Wish we could grab a gin cocktail together. And if you haven't tried Empress Gin, you should. It's purple and it is fabulous. Thanks, Lady Demons. Till next time. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Welcome, Nikki, to Discuss her Dome. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. I have one from Chloe, guys. Hi, Chloe. Hey, Chloe. Hello. She says, hi, demons. It's your vampire down under. When I read the dinner, I howled with laughter. My mom has a saying that I think is appropriate here. Learn the rules so you know how to break them properly. Diana did what is known as malicious compliance. Baldwin gave out an order and she complied to the letter, making it impossible for him to complain. I approve heartily of this and regularly engage in it in my personal life. Good for you. Uh, Diana and Matthew, when they are alone, makes me laugh. They can't be trusted to keep their hands to themselves for two minutes. Hashtag horny teenagers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she's giving us a report on Australia. And in Australia, we are sitting back and watching Victoria descend into the second wave. And stage four lockdowns. Well, I mean, we're not doing much better. So, okay. Right. Um, my state is still relatively open and we don't have, as far as I know, any community transmission. My life has not drastically changed because I'm a hermit who never goes outside and socializes. Good luck, demons. Australia is always here when borders open. And if you want a holiday, it would be great to meet you. Your vampire down under, Chloe. I would love to accept that invitation, but our passports are useless. Exactly. <laughs> Like, <laughs> fucking useless not that i'm bitter okay <laughs> uh, well, there's no place to go uh, no there isn't uh, let's just start the wagon guys <laughs> yeah let's do that all right this chapter discussion is brought to us by shannon millman rodriguez thank you shannon thank you shannon, thank you, shannon. all right so we left off in chapter five marcus had just offered matthew a deal his forgiveness for forgetting <laughs> to tell Marcus about the blood rage <laughs> stuff and making him feel like shit for all those years after New Orleans. So if Matthew starts a scion declaring independence from the main wing of the family under Baldwin's rule and all that that entails, and we're going to find out throughout the book, then Marcus will forgive him and consider him not only his father, but his sire. So we open up chapter six and Diana's having internal monologue about the dinner that Baldwin wanted her to plan in order to give a grand thank you and farewell to all the creatures scattering around the world after the this. So what were your thoughts opening this chapter, guys? Well, well, <laughs> I was glad that somebody 
whipped her up some new clothes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> her, her wardrobe's improving. I was thankful for that after the last dinner at Septours we endured. Thank you, Victoire. <laughs> yes, Victoire, Victoire made sure she wasn't wearing wrinkly ass pants out of her duffel bag. Or a jumpsuit in the TV show. <laughs> Don't yeah. even get me started. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh. She's still warm blood. She still has to pee. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Angela, your thoughts? As much as I welcomed another chapter with Baldwin, I'm, I don't know if it's now or back then, but it's starting to get a little claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. I want to, maybe, maybe I'm also projecting because I'm not in the mood for Thanksgiving right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and, and I would follow that up with, it's like, oh man, do we have to, the sniping back and forth is just getting old. Yes. Because, because Diana, quite frankly, is being the petulant teenager and baiting him. A lot. I could see that. I mean, I can see he's he's setting her up to fail, which he's not going to, which is fine. And but I think on the other hand, he learned that at the left hand of his father, as far as he's testing her, just like Philippe did. Mm-hmm. He is. He is. When Philippe threw her the keys, and I think we need to look at it that way. And it's just uh, instead of saying, "Well, Baldwin's being a jerk," it's like, no, he's doing what Philippe taught him to do. Well, in Shadow of Night, you had Matthew going, "He's testing you. Just run the household, do what you got to do." And here, no one's doing that, so everyone's like, "No, Baldwin's such a jerk." (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. I think we already established that the last episode that he's doing exactly what Philippe did. Mm -hmm. It's just it's coming from Baldwin, and that's. Yeah. of a different uh in some people's eyes you know when you serve uh, i'm getting my reference from the cosby show he made this uh comparison he's like you're serving me this lovely steak but you're putting it on a garbage lid not very appetizing <laughs> yeah. right so people kind of are seeing baldwin as this garbage lid just because of their past dealings with him he's not mm-hmm. the diplomat he is he's not well, the one mm-hmm. and uh you know what philippe was the one philippe was the one who grew into his role. I mean, he had thousands of years to grow into his role and he was welcoming and he was joyful and he was this and he was the perfect host, you know? Well, and here's the other thing too, is that Philippe we met, the Mm -hmm. Philippe we did meet was 500 years after whatever happened in Outremer that broke him that Fernando makes a reference to either in Book of Life or Times Convert. I can't remember where. Mm-hmm. I think it's in Times Convert. He makes a comment to the bonus chapter. He makes a comment to Marcus that the Philippe that you knew is not the Philippe that I dealt with. Right. Mm-hmm. Something happened. Yeah. When Outremer failed, that broke him. And I imagine at the, as the head of this family, this new family, uh, going forward into Times Convert and beyond, mm-hmm. Baldwin's going to evolve. He's going to change because he's going to yeah. have to. You have to be able yeah. to be flexible that way. And so let's say 500 to 1,000 years from now, people will tell horror stories about Baldwin, but people that know him ne- at that point will be like, what are you talking about? He's gracious. He's this. He's that. Yeah. You have to grow into your role. And well, and I, and I think you've got a real problem because Isabel resents him and doesn't want him to grow into that role because that means she's going to have to finally accept that Philippe's gone. True. That's and part of her healing, consti- too. Yeah. And she's constantly shit stirring. Yeah. It's almost like she's mad that he survived and Philippe's dead. As survivors often do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. All right. So let's get into this. Most evenings at Septour, dinner was a slapdash affair. All of us ate when and what we liked. 
but tonight was our last at the chateau, and Baldwin had commanded the entire family's presence to give thanks that all of the other creatures have gone and bid Sarah, Matthew, and me adieu. So if Baldwin expected to cow me, he was going to be disappointed having provided meals for the inhabitants of Septur. In 1590, I could surely manage in modern times. I sent out invitations to every vampire, witch, and warm blood still in residence and hoped for the best. So, you know, this isn't her first radio. It's her second. But (laughs) (laughs) Cross your fingers. This goes okay. Uh, All right. So she's getting dressed. She's fussing with her jewelry. And um, I guess she was wearing her arrow and she's trying to mess with her pearls. And Matthew kind of busts in. He's like, I've never known you to fuss so much over your jewelry. And Matthew has come out and he has shaved his pirate beard. <laughs> okay, I've never known you to fuss so much over your jewelry. Hell, she's got serious jewelry now. I know. She's <laughs> yeah, it's, the first time, it's the first time she's ever had serious jewelry. And it's right. the first time she has to put them on by herself. She had people mm-hmm. dress her before. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is exactly how Diana got dressed in Discovery of Witches, except without the jewelry. Yeah. Tugging at the blazer and yeah. throwing putting her hand over her hair. And yeah. Fucking around with her hair. And she's not the best at it. No. <laughs> no, no. No. We're back to the little ponytail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fancy. Fancy. All right. And Matthew says, since we're going back to Oxford, I thought I might as well look the part of a university don. It's a relief, actually. Beards really do itch like the devil. And then I thought, this is weird. I'm like, do vampires itch? I guess they do. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I guess. I guess. And then Diana says, I love having my handsome professor back in place of my dangerous prince. I don't know. I kind of like the dangerous prince, but okay. Same here. (laughs) (laughs) And Matthew says, you look beautiful with or without the pearls. And Diana says, Victoire is a miracle worker. So she has somebody making her clothes all in midnight blue. And there's a whole description. (laughs) My vampire seamstress. (laughs) Oh, you don't have one of those? Yeah. (laughs) Wait, isn't there, there, what is the name of the, there's actually a designer line called, I think it's called The Vampire's Wife. Really? Yeah. Yeah, And I I forget, I forget who, which rock star's wife it is. Oh, wow. But the only problem is, is this stuff kind of looks very little house on the prairie. Oh, no. Lots of like like, prints and little ruffles. And it's like, ooh, vampire wife. This is going to be cool stuff. It's going to be gothy and dark and sleek and fun. And it's like, mm, no, no. What is what's going on here? No. Yeah, the Ruffle Fest, and I don't even think uh, Florence from Florence and the Machine would be caught. Florence Welsh wouldn't be caught dead in some more more seer, more seersucker and less leather. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. Even better that that like small print prairie style stuff like oh. calico and small print calico and whatnot. Wasn't there like a big designer in the eighties? used to do shit like that. Oh, that was Gunny Sack. Jessica Gunny McClintock. Sack. Yes. yes. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> but, Jessica, but think Jessica McClintock with lots of busy prints. Oh. But that Instead sounds like ruffles. Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Vampire's Wife doesn't. Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. Vampire's Wife, I think of like uh, Victorian goth and, you know, stuff like that. More like Alexander McQueen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Matthew right. goes on. He's like... <laughs> Matthew goes on. He's like, you're especially irresistible in blue. And then Dinah's like, oh, what a sweet talker you are. And then they start making out. And I'll I'll play the music, guys, but you can figure out what's in the works here. Yeah, especially when she thanks her her lucky stars that she didn't have her hair done. Yeah. She wouldn't be able to fix it. (laughs) Hmm. Then 
nice practical little ponytail because uh, you know they yeah. might make out or something. So there yeah, we, we go. We may have just swerved into the ditch, but she swerved into a different ditch. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, they break it up. They break it up before it goes too far. And it's like, oh, I got to fix my hair. Come on now. We're supposed to be at dinner. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So at the end, she weaves a disguising spell. And uh, Matthew's kind of like side-eyeing her, like, really, with a disguising spell. And this conversation kind of had me scratching my head a little bit because he said, after we go back to Oxford, I want you to stop wearing your disguising spell. I hate that thing. And then Dinah says, I can't go around the university shimmering. And then Matthew says, curiously, I can't go around killing people even though I have blood rage. And I'm like, wait, this is not the same thing. Yeah, it's a non sequitur. It's like <laughs> <laughs> shimmering versus just fucking killing people because you feel like it. Right. Yeah. Two different things. So, yeah, one needs to be managed. They both kind of need to be managed, but we're talking different degrees. And I don't understand what Matthew was saying there. Well, Matthew was also the one that says she needed to use her disguising spell so nobody, no one would know how powerful she is. So he needs to make up his mind. Yeah, yeah. he's all over the place with that. Anyway, Diana says, I thought you didn't want anybody to know how much stronger my power is. And then Matthew's like, I still don't want Baldwin to know or the rest of the Declaremonts, but please tell Sarah as soon as possible. See, why didn't you start off with that? That makes more sense to me. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. He says you shouldn't have to hide your magic at home. And he should have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But this is the problem with Matthew. He picks and chooses his half-truths and what he wants well, to cover up and who he wants to tell. I mean, that's why he can't keep track of shit. Yeah. His other, his, and his other problem is, too, is he's like formulating the, the plan on the fly. So it's never presented in the best possible light because he's mm-hmm. making it up as it's coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Reactionary. Just very. Mm-hmm. So Diane explains it's annoying to weave a disguising spell in the morning just to take it off at night, only to weave it again the next day. And it just reminds me of when I was in the military and I wouldn't take my hair down out of the bun till the weekend because it's uh-huh. a pain in the ass to blow out your hair every day when you come home just so oh, yeah. you look nice to be at home. No, my hair's staying up in this damn bun. I don't care if you <laughs> like it or not. <laughs> but I don't I kind of a comparison. I don't know. It's kind of weak, but whatever. Anyway. <laughs> well, no. I mean, the disguising spell is just a magical version of your hair. Yeah. Yeah. Really and truly. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's a pretty good comparison. It just made sense. It's like, okay, I have to be practical here. I have to get in this uniform and it's not in regs for me to put it up every put it up every day instead of just me keeping it nice and neat for the week and at the end I'll let my hair down just so yeah, you can right. you know whatever but Get your jollies <laughs> exactly I don't care either way. I like it out of my face, but okay. I think this bit of sexism bothers me more than the whole assumption that we're coming up to about the kids and whatnot. Well, I mean, it's kind of the attitude that you are here to please me. So why are you doing all these things for the outside world? When I see you, I want you to be glowing. It's like, okay, but I live in the larger world, Matthew. I have to function within that world. I can't just, just because you like seeing me all glowy, I can't just, you know, walk out like that. And he got, you know, a little bit hurt about that. Not your toy. It's almost as if 
he wants Diana just to be there for his pleasure. Do you know what I mean? She's yes. supposed to look a certain way. A lot of guys feel this. And it's like once they realize, hey, uh, she's got to go out in the world and function just like mm-hmm. I do. And they never think about that. It's It feels like, no, you're supposed to please me. Damn it. Exactly. And like I said, it, and it ties back into bodily autonomy. And it's like, your appearance is for my pleasure. No, my appearance is for my own pleasure. Yes. Yeah. And to his credit, I feel like he supports her in that I want you to be who you are. But then it's the but I yeah. want it to be when I want it to be. Yes. Yeah. Be who you are, but who who I think who you are is. Yes. And that mm-hmm. makes weird sense. It's like... Yeah. The person I fell in love with was not this person who interacted in the world. You were just for me, right? Yeah, because of that damn bubble and discovery of witches. Right. And you know what I think, and that's the thing that's going on here. I mean, we've got them out in the world and interacting with family and interacting with the bigger world, even more so than the Tustron in A Shadow of Night, which was still kind of cocooning in a way. Yeah. Because they knew they were only there for a temporary period of time. And plus, she had people to dress her once again. Yeah. There were people there for that. And even more importantly is she wasn't expected to be, quote, who she is because she was busy trying to play a 16th century version of herself. Yeah. Right. She was in a disguising spell no matter what. Yeah. Diana shoots back and she says, is the sauce good for the gander as well as the goose? Will the twins know their father has blood rage or will you keep them in the dark like Marcus? Oh, shots fired, guys. yeah Uh, Matthew says it's not the same your magic is a gift blood rage is a curse here we go (laughs) Diana says it's exactly the same and you know it we've grown used to hiding what we're ashamed of you and I it has to end now before the children are born and after this latest crisis with the congregation is resolved we are going to sit down as a family and discuss this scion business and go diana thank you mm-hmm. yeah. okay uh, but can we back up the bus a little bit and discuss sure. why is she ashamed of her magic still um i don't know i think she was always kind of ashamed of her magic and like shaking that is hard yeah i think it's a go-to for her yeah and she's she is trying to and she's saying she needs to well, change it yeah i know but i'm also saying that it's still apples and oranges i mean bl- blood rage is a lack of control where other people get hurt yeah and her magic's not i don't know i don't know that she has full control over or she knows she has full control of it yet my point being is when even when she when she was spellbound it was under control mm-hmm. somewhat so but i'm saying this and the spell you know i'm ashamed of my magic and if, it's like make up your mind you're ashamed because you can't do it or you're ashamed if you can do it i think that she it thought makes that me crazy magic is what killed her parents and then once you have that in your psyche from a young child it's hard to shake it's hard to shake all this like what we had said before it's like childhood is such a short period of your life but you spend the rest of your life trying to get over it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I guess the other thing is, too, is it's like she really hasn't achieved much. And she's just like Lottie dying to Matthew, like, oh, you know, it, it's just so easy and this and that and the other thing. And you just need to buck up. It's like, well, you haven't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, do as I say, not as I do. She's very. Well, they're both that way. They're both yeah. that way. <laughs> and I mean, here she is making the honest statement it's like we've grown used to hiding what we're ashamed of you and i it has to end and she's saying that 
to herself as well as to him. It's like, look, Ham calling a family meeting. This is what we need to do. And it's going to be it's going to suck. But we have to do this. And uh, that's why I'm saying bravo, Diana. It's like, let's sit down and fucking work this shit out. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess that's how I see it. Reading this passage. Yeah, we both have problems with this, but we need to do this. And the fact that they're only just now having that conversation seems weird to me. But yeah, yeah, that's that's why I'm kind of like, you know, all of a sudden it's like, look at me being perfect again. It's it's kind of (laughs) kind of another one of the Mary Sueisms that pile up in this book. Right. That's where my griping is coming from. Well, she called herself out in this this passage. Yeah. It's like when I say to Brad. We we have to start working out him because of his internal problems mm-hmm. uh-huh. and me because of my external problems. I don't want to be <laughs> shaved like a potato anymore. But, <laughs> but I, I call us both out. You yeah, know, we, yeah. we both need to work out. Let's do this together. Let's do it together. It never works yes. out. <laughs> no. It never works out because he's like, we're doing it. And it's like, I lost two pounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I lost 30. I lost two. Fucker. <laughs> All right. Here is Matthew. He's saying, forming a scion comes with responsibilities and obligations. You would be expected to behave like a vampire and function as my consort, helping me to control the rest of the family. Matthew shook his head. You aren't suited for that life, and I won't ask it of you. Diana's like, well, you're not asking. I'm offering. And Isabel will teach me what I need to know. And Matthew is making a lot of assumptions here, too, on his mother's part. He's like, Isabel will be the first to try to dissuade you. And okay, spoiler, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) He never knows his mother's mind, which is why I keep going back to the whole jealous of being able to have kids and she never had any. Right. Because that's not what she was thinking. He assumed that. So, yeah, the pressure she was under as Philippe's mate was inconceivable. When my father called Isabeau his general, only the humans laughed. Every vampire knew he was telling the gospel truth. Isabeau forced, flattered and controlled us into doing Philippe's bidding. He could run the whole world because Isabeau managed his family with an iron fist. Anyone have an objection to, objection to that? I mean, and what is Baldwin doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's not wearing a skirt. That's what he's doing. <laughs> this is true. That's another reason she's probably pissed. Yeah. He took her job. This is true. It's like she has to step aside while while he comes in. Well, I'd be pissed too. I'd be like, motherfucker. Right. Well, I have this under control. Well, she's a queen mother now. That's just how it is. That's true. Yeah, that is. It's true. true. Yeah. So there's another dynamic we have to look at. He could run the whole world because Isabel managed his family with an iron fist. Her decisions were absolute and her retribution swift. No one crossed her. So she's got to step down from that role. Yeah. Frankly, I, I also think Matthew leading off with his whole, oh, it's inconceivable. She had a da 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 da. It's like, yeah. And she loved it. She got off on it. She still gets off on it. I mean, he's trying to present this as, as like an unattractive option to Diana and a bad thing. It's like, Isabel's going to tell her she loved it. I'm also a little insulted for Diana because it almost feels like Matthew is assuming she can't handle that. Right. Yeah. And Diana's it, like, I can fucking handle that. Hello. And and she's offering it. It's like, look, I will step in and do what I need to do. Why, Matthew, do you want to protect her from that role? Why? Why would you not want her to 
stand by your side and manage mm-hmm. your family while you're out, whatever, conquering the world. She's perfectly capable. So that's why I'm a little insulted for Diana in this point. I'm on her side, which is weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't want to compare it to a parent-child relationship, but I get, I kind of get he's trying to protect her. Just like I cringe every time, my heart sinks every time Brecken pitches in a baseball game. Mm. Like he does it spectacularly. He does it. But I, I honestly, I feel like driving away from the whole park and just t- tell me when it's over, please. <laughs> Because I don't, I don't want him to fail, but he never does. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I still have that feeling. Yeah, it's true. What you're saying, it's like a protection measure. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to have to put you through that. You shouldn't have to do that. You should be. And that's Matthew. He doesn't wa- he wants to protect her from everything. That's why he tells the pretty lies or whatever, shit. whatever they are. Yeah. <laughs> Omit shit. He because he doesn't want her to have to think about a lot of shit. And it's like, mm-hmm. Matthew, do you want her in your life or not? Oh, the whole thing of it is, is when he doesn't tell her stuff, her brain starts spinning anyways. So right. he's not solving a problem. She's going to think worst possible scenario yes. when you could have just yes. told the truth. I don't know. Diana says, that sounds challenging, but not impossible. And then she's saying it mildly. And Matthew's like, it's a full-time job, Diana. And he's irritated. Are you ready to give up being Professor Bishop in order to be Mrs. Claremont? And then Diana's like, maybe it's escaped your attention, but I already have. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) And Matthew's like, oh, shit. Blink, blink. (laughs) Okay. um, Blink, blink. Uh, She was in 1590 for most of that time. So, well, <laughs> yeah, she was Mrs. Claremont. Or, it, I, But I'm just saying, it's not like they were hanging out over in Cambridge and laying low and, no, geez, I can't go to work. No. She walked away from that aspect of herself to actually find her witch aspect of herself. I don't think it was just a matter of her being Mrs. Claremont. No, but that was kind of a side effect of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the way she makes this argument is kind of like, well, well, I mean, she's not being honest with herself. I feel like she stepped away from that role to to learn about her witchcraft. But a side effect of that was stepping away from that role and being Matthew Royden's wife. And she had yeah. to learn how to do that, too. So it's like, hello, I've been doing that. So why don't you think I can step into this role wholeheartedly? I think and a lot of people have taken that passage to me and like, look at me, I gave up my career for you. I don't think that's what happens. And even though Diana kind of sounds like that's what she's saying. Oh, I, I guess I didn't hear that. Or when I read it, I guess I didn't hear that. That's, that's, what she the, was gen- saying. that's the typical interpretation people have been putting on that. Yeah. Like newer readers are taking that passage and spinning it as I gave up my career to be your wife. Like she's being a <laughs> She's being to. a stay at being a stay at home mom is like no, it's no, not that. It's not that. Not that. But as a side effect of what she had to do, she grew into her role as Matthew Royden's wife. So mm-hmm. yeah. and she had to grow as a person. She had to learn how to let mm-hmm. somebody else into her yes. life and quit being a loner. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing. It's not. None of this is a bad thing. I mean, she's gained a lot more than she's lost by not teaching last semester, quite frankly. Well, yeah, she had that whole, you know, congregation worry and which, magic which, and well, you know, finding out about but, her parents. But and, once again, she's just trading one disguising spell for another because her being like the, the loner academic was another disguising spell. It right? was. Yeah. I mean, she was hiding out in the library and hiding out as a as a meek and mild mannered human professor. And she, yeah, welcome to the world, Diana. And, yep, right. And, and that's <laughs> it. And that's it. And she's saying, "Look, I've been doing that. I can 
expand my role. I'm more confident I can do this. And she said, I haven't advised a student stood in front of a classroom or read an academic journal or published an article in more than a year. And Matthew's like, well, that's temporary. And then she's like, really? You're ready to sacrifice your fellowship at All Souls in order to be Mr. Mom? And this is where I related. I was like, oh, really? (laughs) Um, I totally related because I I understood this. I feel like if you've been married and you had that option where your husband or partner said, hey, you don't have to work. And it's like, like, no, that's not who I am. You don't understand. Right. I, I can't. <laughs> I don't know. I've worked for a number of years and it's overrated. And it's like, what? I can stay home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's like, no. And I, I remember the argument I had with my husband. Like, you know, you can you can get out of the military once you're pregnant. That is an option they give to you. And uh-huh. Robert's like, well, why don't you get out? I'm like, you can't afford me. Or this child, or this. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah, hard. That's, I mean, beyond financial reasons, it's like, are you ready to be a full partner and take care of these children? And take? He hadn't thought of that. That's right. the point. Well, she never asked him. I don't. I, I think. I, and to be fair to him, yeah, he, ends up, he does. The baby's coming. He is a full partner. This is true. But, but he never thought of it. He never well, thought of it. He he never thought he wouldn't be either. Most men don't think of that part, though, when you're faced with parenthood. Be like, oh, yeah, she'll take care of it. And it, that's how it happens. I don't know, Angela. Yeah. I, and I don't even know if it's so much like, oh, she'll take care of that. But when it when you're in the moment, it's she'll take care of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's only because of how men have been raised. And, well, who's raising the men? And that's, the women. And that's the thing. It's like our parents were, I can speak for my family. It's like my mom told me and my sister, you guys need to go out, get in a job, don't depend on anybody. But as far as the childcare and everything else, mm-hmm. she didn't elaborate on that. Right. Uh, so I am watching her do all the things and I've learned from her. So you automatically think that's your job when you're growing up. And then it's like, you can have it all, but do you really want it all? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I think that's a big that's problem. That's overrated. Yeah, that's a big problem for our generation because we're transitioning. I feel the generations after us won't have that problem. Mm-hmm. So, and that's my only point. It's like men haven't had to think about this up until really recently. And Matthew being <laughs> a really old soul... <laughs> Of course, he wouldn't have thought of that. And being a vampire, why would you think about that? (laughs) (laughs) Raising a baby. Yeah, I mean, and that's where my part of my criticism, you know, I don't know shit about this, but it aggravates me in a way. I understand everybody brings their experience to the book, but the overlay is always like, well, he's going to be like every other man. Mm -hmm. And it's just because he's selfish like every other man. But hello, (laughs) he's A, he's a vampire. Mm -hmm. B, it's been, what, 1,500 years since he's had a kid? Mm -hmm. And that was back in 500 where everyone was pretty much a stay-at-home mom because that's what they were supposed to do. Right. So to castigate him for having a brain fart, because in one of the read-alongs, the reaction was really visceral. I can imagine. And maybe I'm just playing devil's advocate, but it's like, whoa, wait a minute here. You're talking about a guy who's 1,500 years removed from this. This isn't your your first husband who pissed you off. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I could see that. Yeah. You you know, don't bring your ex-husband into this because he's not a 1,500-year-old vampire. Yeah. 
It's and true. They're having this. Con- they're having this conversation before the kids are here. Yeah, yeah. And he does step up. Yes. So to call him a horrible person as this all plays out is yeah. stupid. Mm-mm. I don't. Want, I don't want to get into spoilers too much, but I know I was surprised. Okay, Matthew is an active part in raising the kids, but then mm-hmm. Times Convert when Rebecca does something wrong, pissed him off, and he had to shun her. Because of vampire law, it's like that's things you yes. can't predict. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but the other interesting thing, yeah, and actually that's a read along chapter I'm doing is the the shunning chapter. And the funny thing is, is in how Sarah also talks about that's how toddlers learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it, it's a really neat weaving of human and vampire and how it works. Yeah. And how it worked for her. Uh, and that is how toddlers wor- work. They throw themselves <laughs> on the floor in the middle of the grocery store. Okay, I'm leaving here and just yeah, walk away. <laughs> Harlow just asked me that. She's like, look at that. That mom's just walking like 10 feet ahead of her kid. Did you ever do that to me? I'm like, uh, of course. Of course. <laughs> All the fucking time. <laughs> Apparently it didn't sink into your head or it sunk into your head so well it worked. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no. <laughs> Not doing this today with you. Walk away. Yep. I I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So she's going on. Or are we going to hire a nanny to take care of our doubtless exceptionally challenging children while I go back to work? Matthew's silence was telling. The issue had never occurred to him. And it's true. It doesn't occur to current men. I, I will say that. In the future... We'll do better. We really will. Mm-hmm. Um, he simply assumed that I would somehow juggle teaching a child care with no trouble. Typical, I thought, before plunging on. And it is. I can attest to it. <laughs> it's kind of fairly typical. Not that they're intentionally doing it. It just doesn't occur to them. It's like, mm, okay, shit. I'm going to have to change diapers. Oh, damn. Yeah. And this is a good conversation to have before the children arrive. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Except for a brief moment when you ran back to Oxford last year thinking you can play knight in shining armor and this moment of nerves, which I forgive you for, by the way, we faced our troubles together. What makes you think that that would change? Matthew, like we talked about before, he's like, these aren't your troubles. They're not. I Mm -hmm. want to protect you from these troubles. And I'm not faulting him for that. It's just he wants Diana in a box to, you know, he's been like that way since day one. Yeah. And she signed up for it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, there, there has to be willingness to change in the modern world. Oh, no, no. And I think he is. Yeah, he is. When I took you on, they became my troubles. We already share responsibility for our own children. Why not yours as well? And Matthew stared at me in silence for so long that I had become concerned that he had been struck dumb. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes, never again, with a shake of his head. After today, I will never make this mistake again. And so we have hope for our darling Matthew. Yeah, he's going to do better. He's going to do better. Do Mm -hmm. better. (laughs) (laughs) The word never is not in our family vocabulary, Matthew. Isabeau says impossible is in French. Well, never is not Bishop Claremont. Don't use it again. As for mistakes, how dare you? And Matthew stole my next words with a kiss. Okay, here we go again. (laughs) Uh, I pounded on his shoulders until my strength and my interest in beating him to a pulp subsided. (laughs) He pulled away with a smile. You must try to allow me to finish my thoughts. Never. He caught my fist before he made contact. Why is she beating him? Right. Uh Fuck. Vampire abuse. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Never again will I make the mistake of underestimating you. 
Matthew took advantage of my astonishment to kiss me more thoroughly than before. And and no wonder Philippe had always looked so exhausted, he said ruefully when he was through. It was very fatiguing pretending you are in charge when your wife actually rules the roost. Hello. Come on. While I have your attention, let me make myself clear. I want you to tell Sarah about being a weaver and what happened in London. Matthew's tone was stern. After that, there will be no more disguising spells at home. Agreed? And then (laughs) Diana's like, agreed. And she's got her fingers crossed. (laughs) Of course she does. (laughs) Is that what what it says? This is very little with the arc. It just says understood. And then she says promise. Yeah, no, it says agreed. And then she crossed her fingers behind her back. That's not in the arc? No, it's understood and promised, not agree and agree. Oh, okay. Yeah, agree. Because uh-huh. maybe understood is, is too heavy handed. And that's yeah. how I'd interpret it. Like understood. Understood is like kind of pissy. Yeah. Or controlling. Controlling. Yeah. yeah. Dictatorial. Understood. Understood. It's like understood. Yeah. Understood. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, that's more even footing. Alan was waiting for us at the bottom of the stairs wearing his usual look of circumspection and a dark suit. Is everything ready? I asked him. Of course, he murmured, handing me the final menu. Oh, I mean, there are menus and everything. This is fancy. Me, I'd be handing out paper plates. There you go. <laughs> this is some fancy stuff. My eyes darted over it. Perfect. The place cards are arranged and the wine is brought up and decanted and you found the silver cups. Alain's mouth twitched. All of your instructions were followed to the letter, Madame de Clermont. There you are. I was beginning to think you were going to leave me to the lions. And Galaglass's effort... <laughs> to dress for dinner had yielded only combed hair and something leather in place of his warm denims. Okay, so Galaglass is here and he attempted to dress up. Though I suppose cowboy boots qualified as formal wear of a sort, he was alas wearing a t-shirt. This particular garment instructed us to keep calm and hardly on. It also revealed a staggering number of tattoos. Okay. Ah, the tattoos. The tattoos. <laughs> Ooh, getting hmm. heated. Let's not think about it. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. Val, the Tattoo petter. <laughs> Sorry about the shirt, Auntie. It's black, though. <laughs> Galglass apologized, tracking my glances. Matthew sent over one of his shirts, but it split down the back when I did up the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, and, and there's some factual basis for people to expecting our TV gallo glass to be a bit more hulking and formidable than he is. Yeah, I got what we got what he got. Whatever. We got what we got. I'm just saying, you know, don't don't come at people who are expecting somebody bigger because the book set up that expectation. I mean, you can always buy a small shirt and he can split that one. Yeah, I don't really He's... don't care either way. To tell you the truth. <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying, I you know, know. I know. People get attacked for so-called body shaming. It's like, well, it's not body shaming if there is an expectation in the book that set up a certain build. Oh, see, this is why I don't participate in the Facebook groups anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I just like to see what other people think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will watch watch the show and just be okay. You know, it's fine. There's reasons I'm watching the show and there's reasons other people are watching the show. And, well, you know, there's something there for everyone. Exactly. So Diana says, you look very dashing. I searched the hall for signs of our other guests. I found Cora instead perched on the statue of a nymph like an oddly shaped hat. She spent the whole day flying around Septour and San Lucien in exchange for promises of good behavior tomorrow while we were traveling. What were you two doing up there all this time? And this is Sarah. (laughs) 
Oh, who, would say, who, would, who would say that? No, like, oh, Sa- oh, Sarah. Yeah, of okay. <laughs> like Gala Glass, Sarah took a limited view of formal wear. She was wearing a long lavender shirt. I mean, that's formal. Come on, for Sarah. That extended past her hips and a pair of ankle-length beige trousers. I mean, it's clean and it's not plaid. It's, mm-hmm. it's fancy. What? <laughs> We thought we were going to have to send up a search party. (laughs) Uh, Matthew goes, Diana couldn't find her shoes, so. (laughs) (laughs) Throw Victoire under the bus. He slid an apologetic glance towards Victoire, who was standing by with a tray of drinks. She had, of course, left my shoes next to the bed. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like Victoire, Sarah's eyes narrowed, like, mm-hmm, y'all were doing it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Cora squawked and chattered her teeth in agreement, blowing her breath through her nose so that rain of sparks fell down onto the stone floors. Thankfully, there was no rug. Honestly, Diana, couldn't you have brought something back from Elizabethan England that wasn't so much trouble? And Sarah looked at Cora with a sour expression, like, your toy is a mess. <laughs> Why is Sarah being so pissy today? It's her, I mean, I was liking Sarah a lot more, and now she's just, God, give it a rest. Sarah's, well, being, that's, Sarah's being Sarah. Yeah, she, and that's where Fernando comes in to be the Sarah whisperer. Whisper, in yeah. Installment. Yeah, Sarah's being Sarah. She's. I didn't even like her the first time around even this far so fernando made yeah. me like her yeah <laughs> yeah i was gonna say because this reading is like man i like you i liked you but now i'm not liking you again no yeah. she's sarah's just being brash and brash sarah like and she's like seeing cora for the first time and like man couldn't you bring something back better because she's a mess <laughs> this drag is a fucking mess dude but it's it's also like really you're her parent you're her sole parent figure and you're a dragger for like getting busy with her husband that irritated me okay (laughs) you're irritated often today (laughs) being your bonnet gene this chapter irritates me i think and i don't think sarah was intentionally needling diana i think she was oblivious but that's yeah. what I'm saying. And it's like, it's, Sarah is not a big proponent of picking up on subtleties. Right. <laughs> but she's also, she is also very inconsiderate of other people's feelings. I don't even think she was thinking that far. No, that's what I'm saying. She wasn't thinking about that at all. It's like, she, she wasn't reading the room and Sarah doesn't read the room. I mean, because like the last chapter, I noted that when they were in the round tower talking about all the legal stuff about forming a scion, Sarah was in her own little world looking at pictures. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, she she kind of separates us when when she feels it's like not something she can contribute to. She'll back off the conversation. And then when she when she bursts in and she feels like she can contribute, the thing she says is all wrong because she doesn't read the room. Well, yeah, I, I think part of the problem is, is after watching the first season, Alex Kingston made me like her a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I'm back to book Sarah and it's like, man, I don't like her. <laughs> I really don't like her. Well, I, and I think that she's falling back into old patterns, you know, the learned behavior of her dynamics yeah. with Diana. She doesn't know everything she's become. It's like if you, I send Harlow off to college and she comes back and she's independent and I fall back to trying to Your say the stuff norms. I would say to her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like I forget the gender thing and I'm like, oh shit, sorry. Right. <laughs> and I get corrected. Oops. I'm trying to do better. Yeah. And then Diana says, like, what, a snow globe? Should I have brought back a snow globe? (laughs) And I am often Sarah in these situations. I... I think that's why I like her so much, because I relate to her. It's like she reads the room and she was kind of joking. 
when she she's making the observation is like, what were y'all doing up there? What's going on? <laughs> and then you got this big flying dragon. She's probably never seen one before. It's like, and she doesn't know that it's Diana's familiar. Diana, right. she, for now, she just thinks it's a souvenir from the past. Couldn't she pick something better? Because this one's making a mess. That's just, and let's be honest, how much do you think Sarah's looking forward to this dinner without Emily on top of it? Right. And she's not a formal person. And now she's in this situation like she's probably uncomfortable. So the shit comes out of her mouth like it comes out of her <laughs> mouth. <laughs> well, like me. <laughs> Anyway, first I was subjected to witch water falling from the tower. Now there's a dragon in my hallway. This is what comes of having witches in the family. And this is Isabeau. And she appeared in a pale sink suit that perfectly matched with the color of champagne and the glass that she took from Victoire. There are days when I cannot help thinking the congregation is right to keep us apart. Oh, dear. And Isabeau is just as blunt, just classier about her bluntness. <laughs> and then Victoire turns around, drink, Madame de Clermont. And Victoire turned to me, rescuing me from the need to respond. Thank you, I replied. And this dinner is tense and from the get-go. I mean, we know we're walking into a tense situation mm-hmm. the way it's set up. Thank you, I replied. Her tray held not only wine, but also glasses filled with ice cubes containing blue barrage flowers and mint leaves topped up with sparkling water. What are barrage flowers? This is my ignorance. It's, a, it's an herb. Does it make the water taste different or is it just pretty? It's You use it for, it's an herbal. I'm not, let me look up and find what it's for. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's bee bush. Okay. The, they're edible. It's a medicinal herb that is used for, let me look. It's pretty. You can use it as a salad green. Uh, with the edible flowers. It's strawberry barrage cocktails. And it is the highest known plant source of an omega-6 fatty acid known as GLA. And it has a lot of vitamin B, B vitamins. And it's oh, nice. It's used for stimulating breast milk production. I think Thank it's a little bit early for that. <laughs> well, that's good to know because I had no idea. I was like, what the fuck is that? I just thought oh. they looked pretty inside the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's also for relieving stress and adrenal gland tonic. Nice. And it attracts bees. What color is the flower? It's blue. They're, the, they're those little blue flowers, the bush with the little blue flowers. Oh, okay. All right. That looks like little stars with mm-hmm. the green leaves are inner. In fact, hang on. I shall put it in our box. Because sometimes I read this and I'm like, what world is this from? I've never seen blue flowers in my drink. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, I think they're edible, like nasturtiums are edible. Oh, okay. Okay. But uh, nasturtiums are spicy. Hmm. There. Oh, pretty. Anyway, back to the episode. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, in a ditch. What is a barrage flower, guys? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Hello, sister. And Varen sauntered out of the salon behind Isabel wearing knee-high black boots, an exceedingly short sleeveless black dress that left more than a few inches of her pearly white legs exposed, as well as the tip of the scabbard strapped to her thigh. <laughs> What a family dinner, I'm telling you. (laughs) Wondering why Varen thought she needed to dine armed. Well, come on, see the tension in the room, Diana. I reached out with nervous fingers and drew the golden arrowhead from where it had fallen inside the neck of my blouse. It felt like a talisman and it reminded me of Philippe. Isabeau's cold eyes latched onto it. I thought that arrowhead was lost forever, she said quietly. Philippe gave it to me on my wedding day, and I started to lift the chain from my neck, thinking it must belong to her. And then Isabeau says, no, Philippe wanted you to have it, and it was 
his to bestow. And Isabeau gently closed my fingers around the worn metal. You must keep this safe, my child. It's very old and not easily replaced. So Baldwin's here. (laughs) Is dinner ready? Baldwin Boone arriving by my side with the suddenness of an earthquake and his usual disregard for warm blood's nervous system. Philippe did that too. Yeah. It is, Alain whispered in my ear. It is, I said brightly, plastering a smile on my face. Baldwin offered me his arm. Let us go in, Mathieu, Isabeau murmured, taking her son by the hand. Man, this is awfully formal for being a family dinner. I mean, is it just me? No, it is intentional, though. Yeah. Diana, Baldwin prompted, his arms still extended. I stared up at him with loathing, ignored his proffered arm, and marched towards the door behind Matthew and Isabeau. See, he's trying. (laughs) This is an order, not a request. Defy me, and I will turn you and Matthew over to the congregation without a second thought. And, yeah, this this is escalating. Baldwin's voice was <laughs> menacing. <laughs> this, I don't know. This dinner was probably a bad idea. But anyway, <laughs> for a few moments, I considered resisting to hell with the consequences. If I did, Baldwin would win. Think I reminded myself. Stay alive. Then I rested my hand atop his rather than taking his elbow like a modern woman. Baldwin's eyes widened slightly. Okay. Why so surprised, brother? I demanded. You've been positively futile since the moment you arrived. If you're determined to play the role of a king, we should do it properly. And Baldwin's like, okay, I'll play your game. Very well, sister. Baldwin and I entered the dining room as though it was the audience chamber at Greenwich, and we were the king and queen of England. Fernando's mouth twitched at the sight, and Baldwin glowered at him in response. Oh, man. These are the wrong people to get together. (laughs) Does that little cup have blood in it, Sarah? Seemingly oblivious (laughs) to the tension, bent over and sniffed at Galaglass's place like, oh, that's blood, yo. (laughs) (laughs) Just clueless. Anyway, I didn't know we still had these, Isabeau said, holding up one of the engraved silver beakers. She gave me a smile as Marcus settled her into the spot to his left while Matthew rounded the table and did the honors for Phoebe, who sat opposite. I had Alain and Mart search for them. Philippe used them at our wedding feast. I fingered the golden arrowhead. Courtly Ernst pulled out my chair. Please, everybody sit. This is too formal for my taste, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> the table is beautifully arranged, Diana, Phoebe said appreciatively. And she wasn't looking at the crystal the precious porcelain or the fine silver. Instead, Phoebe was taking careful note of the arrangement of creatures around the gleaming expanse of rosewood. Mary Sidney had told me that the order of table precedence at a banquet was no less complex. See, this is another thing I didn't know in Shadow of Night. I didn't, we didn't really know those conversations, those girly right. conversations they would have. So apparently she learned a lot from Mary. Mm-hmm. The order of table precedence at a banquet was no less complex than the arrangement of troops before a battle. I had observed the rules I had learned in Elizabethan England as strictly as possible while minimizing the risk of outright war. Thank you, Phoebe. But it was all Mart and Victoire's doing. They picked out the China, I said, deliberately misunderstanding her. Varen and Fernando stared at the plates before them and exchanged a look. Mart adored the eye-popping blue celeste pattern Isabeau had commissioned in the 18th century, and Victoire's first choice had been an ostentatious gilded service decorated with swans. I couldn't imagine eating off either and had selected a dignified black and white neoclassical place settings with the de Clermont Ouroboros surrounding the crown letter C. Oh, I remember this. Why do I remember Pinterest? Because you, you I found one. the plates and yeah, I found the plates 
lights and oh, you put right. the, the, the the C and the and the, the crown. That's right. Yeah. I was like, why is this familiar to me? Oh, she, my mind is melting. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I believe we are in danger of being civilized. Varen muttered. And by warm bloods, too. Not a moment too soon, Fernando said, picking up his napkin and spreading it on his lap. A toast, Matthew said, raising his glass to the lost loved ones. May their spirits be with us tonight and always. There were murmurs of agreement and echoes of his first line as glasses were lifted. Sarah dashed a tear from her eye and Galaglass took her hand and gave gave it a gentle kiss. I choked back my own sorrow and gave Galaglass a grateful smile. Another toast to the health of my sister Diana and to Marcus's fiance, the newest members of my family. Wait, wait, can you back it up? Read the last line of the paragraph previously. Galaglass, I choked choked back my own sorrow and gave Galaglass a grateful smile. Is that it? Yeah, it says Galaglass took her hand and gave it a gentle kiss. Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, subtle. (laughs) I often wonder as an editor, what are you looking at when you're looking at these phrases that say the same thing? And that was Sarah. It says Sarah dashed a tear from her eye. Galaglass took her hand and gave it a gentle kiss. So he was having a tender moment with her. Yeah. Okay. So Baldwin had just toasted the newest members of his family and everybody joined in. Diana and Phoebe joining in. Glasses were filled, were lifted around the table, although I thought for a moment that Matthew might direct the contents of his as Baldwin. Oh, (laughs) Sarah took a hesitant sip of her sparkling wine and made a face. Oh, dear. Let's eat, she said, putting the glass down hastily. Emily hated when the food got cold, and I don't imagine Mart will be any more forgiving, because that's Sarah. Dinner proceeded seamlessly. There was cold soup for the warm bloods and tiny silver beakers of blood for the vampires. The trout served for the fish course had been swimming along in the nearby river without care in the world only a few hours before. Damn, poor fish. Anyway. <laughs> when, you, when you put it that way, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Roast chicken came uh, next out of deference to Sarah, who couldn't abide the taste of game birds. Okay. See, I don't think about the chicken. Be like, poor chicken. But <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> I'm just like, eh, chicken got what he got. Well, <laughs> right. well if, you, if you don't like the taste of duck and you don't like the taste of quail and or it makes you sick, you really would rather not eat it. Then you'd be like, mm-hmm. poor duck, poor chicken. No. <laughs> yeah, it's like me with the fish. It's like, why, why couldn't you leave that fish swimming? He was fine. <laughs> okay. Some of the table had then had venison, though I abstained. At the end of the meal, Martin Alan put footed compost draped with fruit on the table, along with bowls of nuts and platters of cheese. I'm picturing this whole meal. Again, Deb being very descriptive. Yeah. What an excellent meal, Ernst said, sitting back in his chair, patting his lean stomach. There was a gratifying amount of agreement around the room. Despite the rocky start, we'd enjoyed a perfectly pleasant evening as a family. And I relaxed into my chair. Since we're all here, now we have some news to share. And this is Marcus. As you know, Phoebe has agreed to marry me. And Isabel's like, have you set a date? Come on, let me plan a wedding, dude. Anyway, <laughs> not yet. We've decided to do things the old fashioned way, you see. And all of the Claremonts in the room turn to Matthew, their faces frozen. I'm not sure old fashioned is an option, Sarah commented dryly, given the fact that two of you are already sharing a room. <laughs> She's keeping track of everybody. <laughs> Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Vampires have different traditions, Sarah, Phoebe explained. Marcus asked if I would like to be with him for the rest of his life. And I said, yes. Oh, Sarah said for the frown, because it's not sinking in what that actually means. Right. And then uh, Diana's like, you can't mean. And then Phoebe's like, yep, I've decided to become a vampire. 
You're welcome, everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus insists that I get used to that before we marry. So yes, our engagement will be a bit longer than we'd like. Phoebe sounded as though she was contemplating minor plastic surgery or a change of hairstyle. Well, kind of. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Rather than a complete biological transformation. Yeah. I don't want her to have any regrets, Marcus said softly, his face split into a wide grin. Phoebe will not become a vampire. I forbid it. Matthew's voice was quiet, but it seemed to echo in the crowded room. Okay, Matthew. You don't get a vote. This is our decision. Phoebe's and mine, Marcus said. Then he threw down the gauntlet. Of course, Baldwin's. He is the head of the family. Marcus, did you need to do that? Mm. Whoa, yeah, I'll say ouch. <laughs> Shots fired again. Baldwin tinted his fingers in front of his face, though considering the question. While Matthew looked at his son in disbelief, Marcus returned his father's stare with a challenging one of his own. All I've wanted was a traditional marriage like grandfather and Isabeau enjoyed, Marcus said. When it comes down to love, you're the family revolutionary, Matthew, not me. Even if Phoebe were to become a vampire, it could never be traditional because of the blood rage. She should never take blood from your heart vein, Matthew said. I'm sure grandfather took Isabeau's blood. Marcus looked at his grand... I mean, all the secrets are getting spilled. Come on. Right. <laughs> Isn't this kind of intimate? All right. All right. Isn't that right? Do you want to take that risk knowing what we know about bloodborne diseases? Matthew said. If you truly love her, Marcus, don't change her. Matthew's phone rang and he reluctantly looked at the display. It's Miriam, mm. he said, frowning. Uh-oh. She wouldn't call at this hour unless something important had come up in the lab, Marcus said. Matthew switched on the phone speaker so the warm bloods can hear as well as the vampires and answered the call. Miriam, no father. It's your son, Benjamin. I even gasped now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Surprise. The voice on the other end of the line was both alien and familiar as the voices in nightmares often were. Isabel rose to her feet, her face the color of snow. Where is Miriam? Matthew demanded. I don't know. Benjamin replied, his tone lazy, perhaps with someone named Jason. He called a few times or someone named Amira. She called twice. Miriam is your bitch, father. <laughs> Whoa, shit. I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember either. Was, does it say it in the arc? Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. I didn't remember that either. Oh, this is tenser than I thought. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps if you snap your fingers, she will come running. Marcus opened his mouth and Baldwin hissed a warning that made his nephew's jaws snap shut. I'm told that there was trouble at Septor. Something about a witch, Benjamin said. Matthew refused to take the bait. The witch had discovered a de Claremont secret, I understand, but died before she could reveal it. Such a shame. Benjamin made a sound of mocking sympathy. Was she anything like the one you were holding in Thrall in Prague? Fascinating creature. And Matthew swung his head around, automatically checking that I was safe. You always said that I was a black sheep of the family, but we're more alike than you want to admit, Benjamin continued. I've even come to share your appreciation for the company of witches. Oh, shit. I felt the change in the air as the rage surged through Matthew's veins. My skin prickled. A dull throbbing started in my left thumb. Matthew said, nothing you do interests me. And Benjamin's like, not even if it involves the Book of Life? I know you're looking for it. Does it have some relevance to your research? Difficult subject, genetics. What do you want, Matthew asked. Your attention, Benjamin laughed. Matthew fell silent once more. You're not often at a loss for words, Matthew, Benjamin said. Happily, it's your turn to listen. At last, I found a way to destroy you and the rest of the Declaremonts. Neither the Book of Life nor your 
prophetic vision of science can help you now. I'm going to enjoy making a liar out of you, Matthew promised. Oh, I don't think so, Benjamin's voice dropped as though he was imparting great secret. You see, I know what the witches discovered all those years ago. Do you? Matthew's eyes locked on mine. I'll be in touch, Benjamin said. And then the line went dead. Call the lab, I said urgently, thinking only of Miriam. Matthew's fingers raced to make the call. It's about time you phoned Matthew. Exactly what am I supposed to be looking for in your DNA? Marcus said to look for reproductive markers. What is that supposed to mean? Miriam said, sounded sharp annoyed and utterly like herself your inbox is overflowing and i'm due for a vacation by the way <laughs> shit apparently she is matthew are you safe matthew asked. and she said yes why do you know where your phone is oh shit i don't know <laughs> <laughs> really that's why you called yeah no i left it somewhere today a shop probably i'm sure whoever has it will call me he called me instead matthew swore benjamin has your phone miriam the line went silent your Benjamin? Miriam asked, horrified. I thought he was dead. Alas, he's not, Fernando said with a real regret. Fernando? His name came out of Miriam's mouth with a whoosh of relief. Sim Miriam Tudo Bem Contigo. What does that mean? I don't know. I mean, contigo means with you in Spanish. I know this is Portuguese, but hmm. I don't know. Okay. I'll look it up and put it in the show notes anyway. <laughs> Tudo usually means, Tudo means all, something. All. I don't know. I don't know what Bem is. Hmm. Fernando asked gently. Thank God you're there. Yes, yes, I'm fine. Miriam's voice shook and she made a valiant effort to control it. When's the last time anyone heard from Benjamin? Centuries ago, Baldwin said. And yet Matthew has been home for only a few weeks and Benjamin has already found a way to contact him. That means Benjamin has been watching and waiting for him, Miriam whispered. Oh, God. Was there anything about our research on your phone, Miriam? Matthew asked. Stored emails, data. No, you know I delete my emails after I read them, she paused. My address book. Benjamin has your phone numbers now. We'll get new ones, Matthew said briskly. Don't go home. Stay with Amira at the old lodge. I don't want either of you alone. Benjamin mentioned Amira by name. Matthew hesitated. Jason, too. Miriam sucked in her breath. Bertrand's son? It's all right, Miriam, Matthew said, trying to be soothing. Benjamin noticed he called you a few times, that's all. Jason's picture is my phone photos. Now Benjamin will be able to recognize him, Miriam said, clearly rattled. Jason is all I have left of my mate, Matthew. If anything were to happen to him, I'll make sure Jason is aware of the danger, Matthew. Looked at Galglass, who immediately picked up his phone. Jace? And this is Galglass talking on the phone. Galglass murmured as he left the room, shutting the door softly behind him. Why has Benjamin reappeared now? Miriam asked numbly. I don't know. Matthew looked at my direction. He knew about Emily's death and mentioned our genetics research in the Book of Life. I can sense some crucial piece in a larger puzzle falling into place. Benjamin was in Prague in 1591, I said slowly. That must be where Benjamin heard about the Book of Life. Emperor Rudolph had it. Matthew gave me a warning look. Don't worry, Miriam. We'll figure out what Benjamin's after. I promise. Matthew urged Miriam to be careful and told her he'd call her once they reached Oxford. After he hung up, the silence was deafening. Galglass slipped back into the room. Jace hasn't seen anything out of the ordinary, but he promised to be on guard. So what do we do now? And Baldwin's like, we? What the <laughs> fuck, dude? <laughs> How did I get involved in this mess? Oh, my God. Benjamin is my responsibility, Matthew said grimly. Yes, he is, Baldwin agreed. It's high time you acknowledged that and dealt with the chaos you've caused instead of hiding behind Isabeau's skirts and indulging in these intellectual fantasies about curing blood rage and discovering the secret of life. <laughs> 
Oh, when you put it that way. I know. <laughs> Varen says, you may have waited too long, Matthew. It would have been very easy to destroy Benjamin in Jerusalem after his first reborn. I mean, that's past now, Varen. Why you got to bring up old shit? <laughs> but it won't be now. Benjamin couldn't have remained hidden for so long without having children and allies around him. Matthew will manage somehow. He's a family assassin, isn't he? Baldwin said mockingly. I'll help, Marcus said to Matthew. You aren't going anyway, Marcus. You'll stay here at my side and welcome the congregation's delegation. So will Galagos and Varen. We need a show of family solidarity. Baldwin studied Phoebe closely. She returned his look with an indignant one of her own. I've considered your wish to become a vampire, Phoebe, Baldwin reported when his inspection of her was complete, and I'm prepared to support it, irrespective of Matthew's feelings. Marcus's desire for traditional mate will demonstrate that the Claremonts still honor the old ways. You will stay here, too. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is like story time. I'm getting into it here. <laughs> <laughs> if Marcus wishes me to do so, I will be delighted to remain here in Isabeau's house. Will that be all right, Isabeau? Phoebe used courtesy as both as a weapon and a crutch, as only the British can. Of course, Isabeau said, sitting down at last, she gathered her composure and smiled weakly at her grandson's fiance. You are always welcome, Phoebe. Thank you, Isabeau, Phoebe replied, giving Baldwin a pointed look. Baldwin turned his attention to me. All that's left to do is to decide what to do with Diana. My wife, like my son, is my concern, said Matthew. You cannot return to Oxford now. And Baldwin ignored his brother's interruption. Benjamin might still be there. We'll go to Amsterdam. And this is Matthew. Also out of the question, Baldwin said, the house is indefensible. If you cannot ensure her safety, Matthew, Diana will stay with my daughter, Miyako. What is that word? Hachi. Hachiori. Hachioji. What? <laughs> Hachioji, it's a city in Japan. Okay. There was a big battle there in 1590, and it's what's left of the fortress is haunted. Hachioji. Okay. Yes. Female warriors held off, I think it was 20,000 warriors with 1,500 people. Oh, shit. Okay. She's probably one of them, would be my guess. Nice. Okay, so Galaglass says, Diana would hate Hachioji, not to mention Mayaku, Varen murmured. Oh, God, I'd like to meet this Mayaku. Anyway, then Matthew would had better do his duty, Baldwin said, quickly. Matthew's brother left the room so fast he seemed to vanish. Varen and Ernst quickly said their goodnights. All right, night guys. Bye. <laughs> Awkward. No dessert. <laughs> and followed. Once they'd gone, Isabeau suggested we adjourn to the salon. There was an ancient stereo there, enough for Brahms to muffle the lengthiest of conversations. Okay, so once they're settled, Isabeau's like, okay, what will you do, Matthew? You can't let Diana go to Japan. Mayako will eat her alive. Oh, shit. I really want to meet her. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to the Bishop House in Madison. This is Diana. It was hard to know who was the most surprised by this revelation that we were going to New York. Isabeau, Matthew, or Sarah. I'm not sure that's a good idea, Matthew said cautiously. Em discovered something important here at Septor, something she'd rather die than reveal. I marveled at how calm I sounded. What makes you think so? Sarah and Em had been poking through the things in the round tower where all the de Claremont family records are kept. If she knew about the witch's baby in Jerusalem, she would have wanted to know more, I replied. Isabel told both of us about the baby. This is Sarah. Then we told Marcus. I still don't see why this means we have to go to Madison. 
Because whatever it was that Emily discovered drove her to sum it up spirits, I said. Sarah thinks Emily was trying to reach mom. Maybe mom knew something too. If that's true, we might be able to find more in Madison. That's a lot of things, mites and maybes, Auntie Galaglass said with a frown. I looked at my husband, who had not responded to my suggestion, but was instead staring absently into his wine glass. What do you think, Matthew? We can go to Madison for now. I'll go with you, Fernando murmured. Keep Sarah company. She smiled at him gratefully. There's more going on here than meets the eye, and it involves Knox and Gerber. Knox came to Septour because of a letter he had found in Prague that mentioned Ashmole 782. Matthew looks somber. It can't be coincidence that Knox's discovery of that letter coincides with Emily's death and Benjamin's reappearance. You were in Prague. The Book of Life was in Prague. Benjamin was in Prague. Knox found something in Prague, Fernando said slowly. You're right, Matthew. That's more than a coincidence. It's a pattern. Hello. (laughs) There's something else, something we haven't told you about the Book of Life, Matthew said. It's written on parchment made from the skins of demons, vampires, and witches. Marcus's eyes widen. That means it contains genetic information. And Matthew's like, ah, uh, ding, ding, ding. That's right. <laughs> right. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Here. We can't let it fall into Knox's hands or God forbid Benjamin's. Finding the book of life and its missing pages still has to be our top priority. And she agreed. This is Diana. Not only could it tell us about creature origins and evolution, it may help us understand blood rage, Marcus said. Still, we might not be able to gather any useful genetic information from it. The Bishop House returned the page with a chemical wedding to Diana shortly after we came back. Mrs. Matthew. The house was known among the area's witches for its magical misbehavior and often took cherished items for safekeeping, only to restore them back to their owners at a later date. If we can get it to a lab, then we can test it. Unfortunately, it isn't easy to talk your way into the state-of-the-art genetics laboratories. Marcus shook his head, and Baldwin is right. You can't go to Oxford. Maybe Chris can find you something at Yale. He's a biochemist, too. Would his lab have the right equipment? My understanding of laboratory practices petered out around 1715. I'm not analyzing a page from a book of life in a college laboratory, Matthew said. I'll look for a private laboratory. There must be something I can hire out. I mean, I'll throw money at the problem. It's fine. (laughs) Ancient DNA is fragile. We'll we'll need more than a single page to work with if we want a reliable result, Marcus warned. Another reason to get Ashmole 782 out of the Bodleian, I said. It's safe where it is, Diana, Matthew assured me. For the moment, I replied. Aren't there two more loose pages out there in the world, Marcus said? We could look for them first. And Phoebe's like, maybe I can help. Thanks, Phoebe. I'd see Marcus's mate in research mode in the round tower. I'd be happy to have her skills at my disposal. So it's all working out. (laughs) Phoebe's turning out to be useful. Okay. And Benjamin Isabeau asked, do you know what he meant when he said he had come to share your appreciation for witches, Matthew? Matthew shook his head. And it seems obvious to me because I've already read this book. It's like, how how are you guys so clueless? But all right. (laughs) Um, My witch's sixth sense told me that finding out the answer to Isabeau's question might well be the key to everything. Didn't anyone hear the air quotes around appreciation? Apparently not. (laughs) Appreciation. Appreciation. Appreciation for witches. No, I I don't think they did. Yeah. Well, and he found uh, or now shares Matthew's old quote, appreciation for witches, and his new quote, appreciation for witches. Yeah. Good and bad. Yeah. (laughs) 
they appreciate but, them. And, and they, they just glossed over the whole thing that Matthew's, uh, I mean, that Miriam was test looking for markers in, in Matthew's DNA. That was never even brought up again. Yeah. yeah. No. It's like, wow, are you guys even thinking about this? No, it's like everything kind of zoomed over everybody's head. Yeah. Uh, anything else about this chapter that you guys want to touch on? I do want to mention that we are out of that soul and cancer. Was it soul and cancer? <laughs> soul and cancer yes. to me was dragged down. So anyway, I like soul and Leo. So next yeah. episode, we'll start that. Anything else for this chapter review? I don't. No? Jean? No. All right. Going once, go twice. Sold. All right. Let's go on to housekeeping. This time, housekeeping is brought to us by Sarah Dye. Thank you, Sarah. Housekeeping. Who wants to start with their housekeeping, guys? I have housekeeping from Nancy. Yay! I was trying to be a little prices right there. Yeah. Uh, It worked. (laughs) All right. Um, Hi, lovely demons. After listening to the episode last night, I felt the need to chime in about the relationship between Baldwin and Matthew. Okay. Everyone seems to read it as if they hate each other. I never read it that way. This might be because I grew up in a large family, two girls, six boys, and saw the dynamic in my siblings all the time. The perceived favorite, the youngest, who always seems to get their way, and the power struggle between the older ones as who should be in charge when mom and dad were away. Did any of them hate each other? No. Was there antagonism, irritation, anger, frustration? Yes, but never hate. Hmm. To me, this is what Matthew and Baldwin are like. When it comes down to it, when push comes to shove, they will always be there for each other, even when it's not the easy thing to do. Because of the books are from Diana's point of view, and being an only child, I see where she may have perceived it as hate, but I don't think the family members do. Thank you, ladies, for what you do. It brings a spark of light in these dark times. Stay safe. Nancy. Thank you, Nancy. Nancy. I think that's an excellent point and a perspective that I I could never have. So it's interesting. And thank you for introducing it. Same here. I mean, it's just me and my little brother and, you know, the oldest bosses around the youngest. That's about it. Yeah, it's true. It's just me and my sister. Diana seeing it from the perspective of a singleton and not knowing what any of the dynamics are or what any of this means. And plus, you've got Matthew's whispering in her ear like, he's such an asshole. Right. Like a baby brother is going to do about a bigger brother. Yeah. (laughs) What a shit stain. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. It's like they're almost pit to be against each other already. It's like an automatic built in. Right. Mm-hmm. Get to be against each other until an outside force comes in. It's like, oh, you, I can pick on my brother, but you can't. Hello. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can say, I can talk shit about him all day long, but the minute you say one word, I'm going to pop you in the nose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perspective is everything. Remember the fantastic alternate POV we got in Fever? Not the JZB one, but the one with Christian McKelter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was one point of view and then all of a sudden you saw the other point of view, the exact same scene and it was totally different, but quite enlightening. Yes. Yes. That's that's what we it's, need. We need other brothers to be, we need their backstory and for them to chime in, you know. And I uh, always liked Christian McKelter's point of view because it was always very singular. Yes. 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 He had yes. a very unique point of view. So, Jean, who do you have? I have one from Shelly R. Thank you, Shelly. Um, hello, Angela, Valerie, and Jean. I was just listening to your new podcast today and had thought about the discrepancies in the note Philippe left Diana. Nice find, Zoe. In yeah. chapter three, Diana read it, but in chapter four, Isabeau read it. What if it was written in Latin and was just interpreted differently? 
I would like to think that would explain it better than some poor editor missing that, as the rest of us did, too. Love, <laughs> yeah, love true. listening to your la- you ladies, and I can't wait for the day I get to meet you all in person. Until then, keep shining your light on our world. Shelly. Thank you oh. so much, Shelly. Yeah, thank you. That's a good way to look at it. Maybe. Yeah. 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 And it kind of <laughs> makes sense because didn't didn't Diana early on also say her Latin was just okay? True. And her Greek was non-existent. Was it, it written in Latin, though? Well, it possibly. Been. It could have <laughs> been written in Latin or Greek. I mean, if it was Philippe's letter, it could have been written in Latin or Greek. Or Greek, yeah. I mean, remember the, the line that we didn't know? I quick looked it up. Tudo bem contigo. You said, what is that? Yeah. And I said, tudo means all and contigo means with you. When I looked it up on Google Translate, it means, are you all right? Which is like the long way of saying everything all right with you. You uh-huh. good? <laughs> yeah. So, good. I mean, but that's a discrepancy. Like if it wasn't English versus Greek or Latin. The yeah, right. big right. could be. I think so. I like it. I'd like to think about it like that versus an editor just being like, eh, it's still the same. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> or, just, or just entirely missing it. It's a gist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Shelly. Well, I have something spectacular, guys. I got oh. a snail mail. <gasps> Yay. So let's read it. It's exciting, okay. guys. And maybe we shouldn't Ooh. be calling it snail mail anymore. No. <laughs> no. All right. So hello, ladies. I wanted to take some time and say thanks for everything. Your podcast and after shows have been helpful during these stressful times. I know I have seen the shift in my small town become ugly. So it's refreshing to just drive and not give a fuck for an hour or so. <laughs> To say thank you. Amen. I'd like to say thank you and please enjoy this small gift of wine. Small, she says. I'm sure Matthew would love it. Cheers. Kimberly. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you so much. Oh my God, thank you. And hi, Matthew. I know. I want to describe what she had, what she sent us, but uh, I don't know. I took pictures of it and showed it to the girls, but she sent us each four bottles of wine. She said small, but oh my God. Wow. Uh, Do you remember what she sent us? I sent pictures, but you know. Right hand man. Um, Right right hand man. I just remember that from Hamilton because you were like. (laughs) Oh, pink bubbles. Matthew's favorite Syrah, a very oh. interesting white blend, and I think a, a red blend. I right. can't remember if it was a blend or a different Syrah, but yeah, this is the Matthew pack. This is wow. a Claremont pack for sure. Very I cool. Mean, like, Thank you, Kimberly. <gasps> Thank bubbles. you, Kimberly. I'm so excited. Thank you, Kimberly. And uh, just to let you know, Kimberly, the box of wine, I was going to send it to them, but Jean was like, no, don't send it to me now because the mail, the post office is all fucked up and it's too hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is is way too hot to no be sending wine right shipping now. to Texas. Right. So right now I'm keeping our wine safe. Yeah. It's downstairs next to the safe. It is sitting safely with Hermie until I can get it out. It'll, it'll <laughs> age just fine. Yeah. To oh, Angela and Jean. So thank you, Kimberly. That was the most Kimberly, generous. Kimberly, that was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That most so generous. generous. Yeah. It was I'm telling you, let me tell you the story. So I get this weird delivery person. I mean, I don't know if he was DHL or some other person. And he's like, I have a delivery for Valerie. And I'm like, yeah. And he was standing like six feet away from my door. And I'm like, <laughs> OK, yeah, I guess. And I'm like, I didn't order anything for a change. What? <laughs> yeah. Are you like, and he's is like, a mob hit or what? <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Oh. <laughs> he's like, would you like me to bring it inside or just here's fine? I'm like, just there's fine. And, it was, you know, it was yeah. a relatively big box, but I didn't figure it was as heavy as it was. So I picked it up. I was like, whoa, oh, what the man. F- <laughs> right. 
So I hauled it inside and I was like, wine? Wait, what? And I'm like thinking, who would send me wine? And I'm like, the only person that's trying to get me to drink wine right now is my daughter because she doesn't like being a lush by herself. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I checked with her and it wasn't her. So I was like, hey, guys, do you know someone who would send us wine? And then Jean chimes and she's like, I think one of our discussers or patrons works at a winery in California. And I was like, I don't know. It's weird. So I opened it up and there was a card and everything. And I opened it up. I was like, wow, there and it artwork. is. <laughs> artwork in the box. Yes. Right. On the box. Don't we help her pack wine once in a while? <laughs> we're, we're in your ears anyways when she's yeah, packing wine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and then I opened up the styrofoam and there were 12 bottles of wine, three of each, you know, split evenly. So I was like, okay, this is for all of us. And I read the card and I was like, oh my God, wow. So it was, yeah, ugh. you brought us a little bit of cheer. Wow. So that was wonderful. A lot no of cheer. Kidding. A lot of cheer. Thank you so much. Gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So on that note, let's go to save it for the show, guys. Okay. All okay. Right. This episode, Save It for the Show, is brought to us by Suzanne Stevenson. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank, Thank you, you, Suzanne. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. This episode, Save It for the Show, the topic is speculations. And this is speculations Yay. on everything. The TV show, uh, All Souls Con. Anything that we got coming up our way while we're sitting in our houses, like twiddling our thumbs. <laughs> well, my speculation on All Souls Con is we're going to procrastinate to the last fucking minute. Yeah. <laughs> That's my, my speculation. Right. So we got to get it. We got to get our submission in by October 15th. So we still have time until it's <laughs> September 15th. Then we're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. shit. Right. Yeah. So we have we another have month, month to procrastinate. Yes, yes, we do. Yes, we do. We have an idea of where where we're going with it, but yeah. And I'm kind of sad that it's not going to be held in person in another Zoom meeting and all all this stuff. But oh, I'm so sad that we can't do our other idea. We'll just have to save it for another yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. I Talk mean, about a save it for the show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Literally. <laughs> so we'll go with the common nomenclature for these type of events. It's postponed. We'll just say, hey, yes. All Souls Con is postponed. The true in-person kind. And we're right now, this is just kind of getting us by. So yeah. there's that. Then we had the TV news. Yeah. And uh, we I think we all agreed on another episode that take 80 instead of a personality profile. We're going to do our like list. our wish list. Right. Yeah. For season for three. Season, season three. three. So that's happening. Yeah. I'm hoping we might get some like actual casting announcements if unless they've totally rewritten it and we're not going to get a grown up Jack and we're not going to get Fernando. <laughs> <laughs> Anything's possible at this point. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so, too. Well, aren't they there filming now? Yeah, Teresa's in Cardiff. Uh, today's August 14th. She's in Cardiff tooling around. She had a, she was in someone's Instagram story at Cardiff Castle. Cute little poet was doing a little jig on the cobblestones. Nice. <laughs> ah. Yeah. <laughs> so getting ready, settling in. Oh, Cardiff Castle that. was fun. Oh, it's great. Valerie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. That you was us. like you were having fun. <laughs> yeah. I'll post a picture in the show notes, a picture I took of them up in the window. Hey, Valerie. <laughs> take a picture. Like a proud mama taking a picture of her kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Mom, we saw some. Yep. <laughs> All right. Anything else to speculate on? New uh, book. How long we're going to have lot. to wait? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, how long how long? To wait. yeah, for for the TV show since the January date that was announced was for UK only. So it looks First like quarter. I'm thinking I'm okay with that. Yeah, it looks like we're not going to get a simultaneous release this year, which kind of is. Yeah, what it is, but well, that works out for us. It helps us prepare since we're not going to go out until the the U.S. release. It does, and uh, maybe we'll get our previews. I don't know. We'll when, see when the UK is watching it. We'll see. It's all <laughs> up in the air. I don't know. I, I'm kind of excited for it, but now I'm just like, yeah. Everything about this period of 2020 is just like, meh, maybe we'll get it. I maybe know. I know. I, I guess part of it, it's like, God, do we have to do, go through this another season where it's like, okay, all of the like true, oh my God, excitement goes on and everybody in the U.S. is kind of like twiddling their thumbs because it's like, okay. Or bootlegging copies, by the way, don't do or that. Bo- yeah, or yeah, <laughs> right. or they're bootlegging co- yeah. copies. It's like, well, yay, we get to sit on the sidelines again. Yeah. That's all. It's like you, you don't get to, so many people won't get to participate in like that initial spark. The worldwide celebration. Right. right? Yeah. Well, when did Which it release? Sad. Uh, it released in January for us the last time. And it, yes. Yeah. We had to wait. We were like waiting two months. It was two months after all of the episodes had run in Great Britain. Um, Maybe March. That's my guess. You put me down for a March guess. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. Yeah. And then maybe AMC soon after. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking we're going to get it streaming probably 10 weeks after the start date. You know, we're going to get it just right after it gets burned off in UK. Yeah. Right. Sundance Now has not made an announcement, though, yet. Not yet. No. I'm just checking. No. They haven't, and Shutter hasn't, and I've been keeping an eye. I mean, if it's if anybody's going to slip, it's going to be Craig from Shutter, the CEO over at the at Shutter. He's on Twitter a lot. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, he's so, a total cheerleader. Eyes on him then. <laughs> yep. At least mine are. Okay. But I think it's going to probably be the same model again, the streaming and then probably AMC AMC or regular and BBC America again. Right. I think it's good that we do our episodes with the streaming. So this way they're ready for the AMC folks and... Yeah. Yes. We can yep. just put them oh, out yeah. again. Yeah. So there's that bit of so, speculation. I, don't I think know. it's going to be good. How close to it are they going to get? Because honestly, even though there was only eight episodes, I felt like they got as close as they could get to the original Discovery, which is the spirit of it anyway. Mm-hmm. Besides, you know, the fact that, you know, Matthew didn't kill off Jillian and there were some changes right, that were like, right. whoa. But mm-hmm. how close do you feel they'll get it with Shadow of Night? There are at how least much? just two extra episodes. Yeah. yeah. I think they'll get real close. I mean, we may not get Mary Sydney. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the fact that Rudolph was cast and we're going to get Prague, I think we're going to get real close. Yeah. Maybe we won't and, linger like we did in books because by the end, by the time we fled Prague, I was exhausted of Prague. <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh God, yeah. true. Maybe it's yes. Maybe it's better that they do it this way. Yeah. I think Prague's going to be one episode at the most. Yeah. Which is fine with me. The less time she's got to spend with Rudolph is good for me. Do we know who else directed besides Farron? I don't know. I haven't seen and he has either. quite a few episodes, too. Yeah, he's got half the episodes. I'm just wondering who who all... Well, we know Sarah didn't pick up... No. Didn't, she was busy with Warrior Nun. Which is a good show, by the way. I That's highly on recommend my, it. on my list. Yeah. But yeah, I'm curious to see if, how many female directors, or if any, we get this time. Mm. I hope we do. I really do. Yeah, me too. Because Sarah's, epi- Sarah's episodes were probably my favorites. Yeah, and the book. Hopefully we hear some news on the book soon. Yeah, I have no speculation on that. <laughs> None. None. I mean, it, it just seems like we've been working, we, we've been waiting on the last four chapters getting done for like a long time. Yeah. Since prior to this, this whole COVID thing started. Right. Let me throw so. this out there, Deb. Don't feel rushed. Do not feel rushed. You take Don't your time to that. 
take your time. <laughs> we get it. It's, That's right. It's a w- strange days for us all. It's just, oh, yeah, it's such a mystery. It is. I mean, beyond this universe, I'm speculating on, are they going to fuck up my voice season again? And do I just have to quit it? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then I'm You're not going to be on a like, plane or few, going future anywhere. episodes of like, of stuff that I ended on Netflix. It's like, are they coming back? Like, Stranger I know. Things, are you guys coming back? So oh, I know it was like October Faction isn't and um, Dead to Me, Dead Like Me isn't. It was no. and now it's not. No. Yeah, I just saw it. Now it's canceled. It's like before it was like new season. Now it's like, oh, it's canceled. I'm like, oh, oh you got to wow. be kidding me. I love that show. How dare they? Anyways. Anyway, back to the subject at hand. Anything else anybody wants to speculate on? No. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we want to save up all the TV speculation for our speculation episode. Yeah, it's true. So there's that. I don't want to speculate anymore on this virus because all the speculation yeah. I've been saying has been coming true. Like, we're not going to be done by fall. And obviously, right, we're not done right. by fall. So yeah. I'm just going to shut up. Maybe things will happen the opposite way. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. All right. On that note, uh, stick with us, folks, and uh, we'll do last thoughts and things we can't let go of. Uh huh. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. You can contact us, send us your thoughts, email us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com, leave us a voicemail at 360-519-7836, by the way, your carrier rates apply here, or leave one for free on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Now, if you can't remember any of that, go to go.demonsdiscuss.com slant contact. And all that information will be there. You can also become a discusser there. Fill out the form and bam, you're a discusser. And the link to join our Facebook group is there too. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com. And if you really feel like deep diving, go to visit.demonsdomain.com slant master post. And you can read interviews, geek out with weekly geeks about all souls universe. Read about the characters. Keep that geek flag flying, guys. Do you like what we do? Help us fund what we do. Go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at demons discuss. If you're liking what you're hearing and you want to tell the world about it, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love them. We read them. It's wonderful. Also, it keeps Angela alive and we need her around, okay? Keep Angela alive. My last thought is the whole thing about Benjamin's call. You know, he, he's, he, he's learned to appreciate witches like his father. And everybody's like, oh, what does that mean? It's like, dudes, did you not hear the air quotes around that word? Appreciate. I think it was, pre- mm-hmm. I think it was pretty <laughs> obvious what he meant. Yeah. Except everybody's like, Ooh. Mm. you would think with all of Sarah's worrying about what everybody, uh, how everybody yeah. else was getting busy, she would have, you know, been the one to say, hey, you dummies, this is what he's getting at. He means appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hubba hubba. I mean, it was it was shocking, though, that he had called or that he got in hold of them during dinner. But then, it, like I said, it just ended so abruptly. And yes, for a reason for Baldwin. But then all of a sudden, everyone just dropped it. So the audience, the reader just dropped it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it's th- th- a weird, weird. I mean, last thoughts in this chapter, there's a couple weird things. I mean, the whole thing about Miriam looking at Matthew's DNA, you know, what, what am I supposed yeah. to be looking for in your DNA? And that's never brought up again in the whole book. Well, you think Matthew being the private person he is, any vampire would be like, what the hell are you looking at my DNA for? Isn't that kind of person? Yeah. 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 
<laughs> I mean, the whole it, it's and it's weird, and then it just gets like you said, totally dropped. And also, would Miriam say that on speakerphone? Because we all can tell when we're on speaker, right? Right, right. So why would she say that on speakerphone? It's like, what am I supposed to be looking at in this DNA? I mean, and well, maybe she, she had re- better instruction. <laughs> maybe right. she didn't realize he was calling from the dinner table either. So yeah. right, I mean, True. there is that that. Well, and no one else was curious. You think Baldwin would have asked, what, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah why well, is she horror. looking at your DNA? Let yeah. Diana wear a disguising spell, but let, let them be, you know, poking at your DNA and looking right. for stuff. Yeah, that's another thing, Baldwin. I mean, for all of the thi- all of the things that Baldwin just like kind of threw out on the table to distract from the phone call or from yeah. the fact that Benjamin called. Why didn't he like bring that up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other than the whole, yeah. okay, yeah, go, you have my blessing to get married and be a vampire and da 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 in his, you know, I have no finesse kind of way. Um, right. But maybe like, and it was also a way to take control of that conversation once again, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because it, it was getting out of hand. Well, and he like minimized Matthew, but in, in he also minimized the whole thing. And then we, it was just dropped off for the reader. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and he also kind of minimized the pan, the panic that was kind of building up. Yeah. Which was a smart move. So, Hmm. Angela, I'm looking to the future and I'm looking forward. It's going to be giveaway season soon. All right. Also, I think we had discussed that possibly we'll do a book review chat, uh, book review episode. Oh, yes. So I can't wait for that. Yeah. Two things on our horizons. Oh, and yeah, we may be cooking up something for the real time read. Yes. Oh, that's going to yes. be fun. Well, that will be fun. It'll, it, it'll be appropri- appropriately demonic. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything to add to that last thought? I was surprised you had one, Angela. Normally, like, I yeah, know. No. <laughs> I tricked you. <laughs> you got me good. You got me good. <laughs> All right. So my last thought. Okay. So I am back to work for the now time. I'm fully expecting to be sent right back home because our numbers are going up. And I'm, I'm really are. enjoying it. I'm enjoying being back at work, but I'm um, by You're myself. You're enjoying the drive. Don't lie. The drive and the shite music I listen to. <laughs> <laughs> but they brought me back during the end of fiscal year bullshit. And oh, so that was on you, purpose. But you're so good at that. I know. I know. So fiscal year's ending. And for those of you who know, uh, who have ever worked for the government or government adjacent, the end of the fiscal year means all the funds that you have need to be used up so you get funded equally next year. So, you know, I picture you right now with, with a wad of ones at the strip club doing the, doing the make it rain. Oh, yeah. She's going to go make it rain. She's going to go make it rain. on um, Right. So we have uh, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, jet fuel to burn. We have a lot of a lot of flights to finish. And so that's what's happening. And honestly, I really think that's why they brought me back in. <laughs> Because it's like, yeah, yeah, just come in for this period. It's time to spend money on Amazon again. Yeah, there's two. So I'm buying a lot of their desks so people can stand up while they're working Mm -hmm. on their computers and a lot of that. But Mm. of course, that kind of cuts into demon time, especially we're so busy at work. Normally I'm at work. It's usually, and I've explained this before, it's 20 minutes of terror and the rest is just boredom. So I have time to like look at our episodes and edit and Mm -hmm. do these things normally. But during this period of time, I didn't. And I feel so bad. Our episode was like a day late this week. And I'm like, oh, God. And I know Gene and Angela, you guys are like, don't feel bad about that. Whatever. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah. But I kick myself. I hate that. I was like, oh, no, it has to be out on time. But yeah, so that's the explanation of why it was out a day late. It came out today instead of yesterday. So whatever. Mm-hmm. There's it, came that. Out, it came out almost on time in Hawaii. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. Also, I want to point out that we have like 15 Fitzio enamel pins left. If you guys are still interested, you can go in and... um order some of those. We have a lot of window stickers. And I did purchase some magnets that I'm going to throw in for free for anybody who buys these items. So I will oh, throw wow. in the Fitzio magnet so you can just like stick it on the body of your car. You don't have to stick it on your window. So nice. whatever. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I want to address the fact that we need some reviews, guys. Oh, yeah. I'm dead yeah. a long time ago. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We had we had to shock her awake a couple times. <laughs> I can be reborn. I can be reborn. Do it. <laughs> so yeah, send us some um, Angela elixir, please. Help her out. <laughs> yes. And where can they do that, Valerie? Oh, okay. They can do it on Podchaser, and I will put the link in the show notes. Podchaser, Jean described it perfectly. It's like Goodreads for podcasts, and you could leave it there or on Apple Podcasts. Unfortunately, a lot of these podcast catchers like, um, let me see, Stitcher, I think, has a place to review. TuneIn Radio doesn't. Like anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find us, but not every place offers a place to review. So I'm going to say Apple Podcasts and for everybody else, Podchaser, and we'll be able to get those and read them out loud. So please send us good reviews, please. (laughs) And last thing, I want to mention that our dear little demon sister, B, has a Patreon. Yay! Yay. Yes, yes. And uh, she has been serving it up for her patrons. Let me tell you, she puts out exclusive posts and she puts out videos of her work and yeah. oh, I just love it. I just love it. So I'll put a link to her Patreon in the show notes. Yeah, if you appreciate B and her work, absolutely. Busy B. And that's it. Definitely. That's all I got. Ah. Ugh. <laughs> Well, this has been a battle. Yes. <laughs> Electronically. Yes, yes. Jerry's been fucking with us. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. Yeah, I lost internet, so I am speaking on my phone to the girls, but I'm still recording normally. Yeah. Yes. Thankfully, we've lived through all of this in our early podcast days, so we always have a plan B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah. yeah. We've done this before. All right, guys. So... Ready All to right. say goodbye? Yeah. Bye, okay. everyone. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody. No demon kiss? Demon kiss. Mwah. I almost forgot. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like, uh, I was almost hurt a little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, we'll talk to you all in a fortnight. Bye, everyone. Bye. Mwah. Tooth for the road. Yay! Mm-hmm.